I honestly believe you need to take the time and putting a plan together, getting a mentor, doing the research and education and all of that. But the core of that, your mission statement has got to be that why. Why are you doing this in the first place? Why are you getting involved in real estate investing? Best ever listeners, I'm proud to announce many masterminds as a component of this year's best ever conference. This year's best ever conference is virtual. So we've added something that we've never done before. And I'm confident you're going to get a lot of value from it. When you join the Best Ever Conference, you will be thoughtfully placed into a mini mastermind group. And to give you an idea of what these mini masterminds are, it's going to be about six to eight people, fellow Best Ever attendees. And if you've attended the Best Ever Conference, you know that the quality of attendees is very high. And we have experienced investors who are also good people. I'm sure there's some bad people out there, but I've never come across them at the conference. They're people who want to help and people who want to network and people who are successful already in commercial real estate. So you'll want to be a part of these mini masterminds. And in these mini masterminds, we're going to thoughtfully place you in a group with other attendees and you're going to have different meetings virtually with them and we're going to help facilitate those meetings. So they're going to be all around a topic and each of the masterminds will have a different topic. For example, one mastermind, you'll talk about what resources, relationships, investments, etc. have made the biggest difference in your life and what do you think you're missing for that next big life change or that next big milestone in business. So we're going to prompt your mini mastermind group with a topic and then you all will discuss and we'll do that for seven mini mastermind sessions. So you're going to get to know other attendees really well and you're going to get the maximum amount of networking opportunities to go deep with people because ultimately what I found out is the more people I know is beneficial, but what really moves the needle on business is going deep with a select number of people and really establishing substantive relationships with them. So go to BEC2021.com, sign up for the best ever conference, get thoughtfully placed in the mini mastermind group as a result of that mini masterminds are going to start november 1st and when you sign up now you're going to lock in the best price because prices go up each week and on top of this i'm going to give you a code so that you can get 10 percent off and that is my bec 10 so when you sign up at bec2021.com put in the code my my bec the number 10, and you'll get an additional 10% off. Quick disclaimer, the views and opinions expressed in this podcast are provided for informational purposes only and should not be construed as an offer to buy or sell any securities or to make or consider any investment or course of action. For more information, go to bestevershow.com. Best ever listeners, today's guest is being interviewed by Theo Hicks. You know, Theo, he's with us every Friday on Follow Along Friday. You're going to get a lot of value from this conversation. So with that being said, let's get going. Hello, best ever listeners. Welcome 
to the best real estate investing advice ever show. I'm Theo Hicks, and today we'll be speaking with Bill Menacero. Bill, how are you doing today? Hey, I'm doing great, Theo. How are you, my friend? I'm doing great as well. Thanks for asking. Thanks for joining us. and looking forward to our conversation. Before we get into that, let's go over Bill's background. So he's the host of the Old Dogs REI Network. That's dogs with an A-W. He has six years of real estate investing experience and has a portfolio consisting of 756 doors. He is based in Irvine, California, and you can say hi to him at his website, which is olddogsreinetwork.com, and then dogs is spelled D-A-W-G-S. So Bill, do you mind telling us a little bit more about your background and what you're focused on today? Sure. I'm an old dog, so uh, <laughs> I guess I came across real clear in all the uh, URLs so far. I started in real estate actually kind of later in life. I had about 25 plus years in business, both on the corporate side, the entrepreneurial side, everything from technology to automotive to financial services, pretty broad background. Also spent a number of years as a professional musician. And then my last stint was with a, a new internet company that kind of looked into the last company I was going to work with because I had the stock options. I was going to retire with the stock options and go to full-time ministry. And uh, the bubble burst and I was kind of left, uh, oh my gosh, you know, what am I going to do? And uh, actually that's when I was called in the mission field first as a professional musician and then later living in Haiti, Port-au-Prince, Haiti, uh, where I have a nonprofit organization called Child Hope International. And I spent the the last uh, 12 years with my family there, working with the kids that are abandoned, orphaned, and at risk on the streets of Port-au-Prince, Haiti. And as I was getting kind of old now, I'd been doing a lot of different things over a long period of time there. I was kind of looking at retirement and I'm still in Haiti and trying to decide what I'm going to do because I, I just didn't feel like retiring. You know, I didn't know what it would mean to just, you know, sort of walk the beaches, collect seashells or something. You know, I like to stay active. I like to do things. And so I was looking into different options and uh, came across actually an inheritance check unexpectedly. And uh, because I'd been in tech in a lot of different areas, I was very active in the stock market. And so I got this check and I was pretty heavily vested in, in stocks. And I thought, well, you know, I'd like to diversify with this. So I was looking at different options and gold and annuities, a lot of other things. And really, I had some friends, uh, actually on my board of directors from a nonprofit that are real successful real estate investors. And I thought, well, maybe I'll do that. But just as a way to diversify my investments and um, started researching, reading the books, you know, came across Rich Dad, Poor Dad, a bunch of other books and finally said, you know, I'm I'm just going to do this. I'm going to pick up a couple of rental properties, turn keys so I don't have to worry about them. And that's kind of what I did. I hopped on a plane out of Port-au-Prince, flew to Atlanta, flew to Memphis, came back with three turnkey properties. And that was it. I was going to focus on other things in life. But it turned out well the next month that, you know, I've got money appearing in my account. I'm going, this is pretty sweet, you know, and, uh, you know, I started thinking maybe this is something I could do in my retirement. So that's what I started doing. I started researching more and looking at what types of real estate investments there are and still very active in my nonprofit, but realizing I was getting older and Haiti is a tough place to hang out. So uh, getting ready to move back to the States on sort of a sabbatical to decide if we're going to stay in Haiti or, or move back to the States where our, a lot of our kids and grandkids are. And that's kind of what happened. So as I got started, I shared with a lot of my friends who are other people that are looking for investments and they wanted to hear all about it. How did you do that? 
where did you buy the rentals? And just all the details. And it got kind of nebulous at a certain point where I was emailing people and trying to communicate with them. I said, look, I'm going to put a blog together. And then in that blog, I'll share everything, the good stuff, the bad stuff, everything. And the blog started. Uh, then I, my mentor at the time really uh, recommended that I start a podcast. And I was kind of like, ah, I don't know about that. The blog's enough for responsibility. And he said, no, you really need to do it. It really will help you. So I just said, well, you know, at least I've, I've got a face for podcasting. So that'll be good as long as I don't go to YouTube. And that's how the podcast started. And, and our, my focus on the podcast is for people that are 50 years of age and older, the people that are approaching retirement are already in retirement that are interested in real estate investing as a means to supplement their retirement or to create a legacy to hand down to their children, to grow their current retirement nest egg. And that's kind of where I am today. Of course, you know, I'm still actively investing myself as well. Are you still in Haiti or have you moved back to the States already? No, we moved back for sort of a one-year sabbatical. And on that trip, we really found out we just needed to stay here. So we've got people that are running things in Haiti. We're still real active. And uh, that's part of my why, so to speak, or why I'm in real estate investing is that I also want to help support our efforts there in Haiti too. So sure. yeah, that's still very active. So we've got 756 doors. You mentioned you began by picking up three turnkey, I'm assuming single family homes. So that's three of those 756 doors. So what is the breakdown of the other 753 doors? Well, two of those actually were, were single family. One was a, a duplex and in a really short period of time, and especially I'm just devouring information. I'm doing a lot of research. I'm looking at YouTube videos, reading a lot of books. I'm, I want to be a good real estate investor. So in that process, really early on, I paid about the same amount for each of these three turnkey properties, but one was a duplex. And the duplex, I paid about the same as I did for the single family homes, but it was producing twice the amount of rent. Not only that, but I only had one property tax payment. I only had one insurance payment and one roof to worry about. So I'm kind of looking at this. I'm going, okay, I'm starting to see the economies of scale, you know, it's sort of emerging here. And I said, I got to keep doing this. And so I bought another duplex and this time in Indianapolis. And sure enough, it turned out to be an amazing buy. I bought it near downtown that was really growing and uh, it doubled in price in just like two years. And I'm saying this is really cool, but why limit myself to just duplexes? Let me look for other properties. And then I found a 22 unit in Indianapolis as well. So I kind of jumped into the small apartment world. And then from there, I started looking at 100 plus units, started looking at what, what was available, ended up partnering with people where I came in as a GP co-sponsor and got involved with the 529 units in Irving, Texas. And then I moved in this space that I've always been really interested in, and that is in the area of senior, area of senior living. And I have, obviously, because my audience is in that realm, I'm in that realm, there's just a strong, strong interest there. And, and seeing the 10,000 baby boomers a day are hitting age 65, the demand for housing is huge. So partnered with some others also as a co-sponsor GP, and we are doing ground-up construction on luxury senior living facilities. And there are right now we're, we're in Florida and West Virginia. We're also looking at Texas and Arizona and, and other states under consideration, but we've already uh, built three and are looking at anywhere from three to six per year. So that's where the rest of the units come from. 
When you are the GP, the co-sponsor, what's your role? What are your responsibilities in those partnerships? It's different in each one. Some areas I'm focused primarily in investor relations because I know a number of investors, a lot of people have followed my story and what I'm doing. So I have a lot of people that are interested in investing with me. I also have marketing responsibilities and also involved with administrative roles as they see fit for me to do as well. Do you mind talking to us a little bit? Obviously, you got the Old Dogs Real Estate Network, very popular podcast. And you kind of mentioned that one of your primary roles is investor relations. Maybe talk to us about, and you can kind of take this any way you want, but how that podcast has allowed you to raise more money to buy more deals or at least be involved in more deals. Well, my mentor at the time told me that that would be one of the advantages of the the podcast. Now, I I don't monetize the podcast. I I rarely I'll have advertisers that they approach me and it looks like it's a good fit, but I don't seek out advertising or I'm not selling consulting or any other thing. I'm not selling books or whatever. I did that on purpose because when I first started, as I was telling you, I got sucked into every boot camp that had brought me to the next level and then the next upsell. And before you know it, you got bookshelves full of all of these home study courses and all these things. And I'm kind of going, what happened? So I didn't want to create a vehicle that would be that thing, another upsell place, folks. I wanted them to come there without any fear of being pitched on something. So it was kind of an afterthought. When I started looking at syndication, I thought, well, I'm going to set up an investor newsletter so that people can see what I'm doing. And then through that, there was a lot of folks that have been listening to the show for years and we developed as best a relationship as you can on a podcast. And they wanted to join me in these investments. It was kind of an organic thing. I wasn't really pushing it. I really don't mention it on the air. Rarely. We have a newsletter that goes out every month where we announce our podcast shows and the articles on our blog. And in there, there's just a little note if you're interested in investing with Bill and and you can sign up and and that's, that's about it. So I'm not really pushing anything. If there's people that are interested, I want to be able to share the investments. And if it looks like something that would work well with their investment style and their portfolio, then we work together. What are some of your tips for how to grow a podcast, how to attract a large following? Or was it kind of just organic for you as well? It really was. i not real intentional in it. One thing that I did do early on though, and this, that was good advice from someone who had a very successful podcast shared with me. I said, just make sure the quality of what you're producing is there, that you're not just putting out a bunch of stuff. Make sure not only the quality of the guests and the topics and so forth, but the quality of the production too. So early on, I got a producer from the start so that he could ensure that the sound quality was good and that the edits were there that occur and all I just saw the stuff to keep the quality of the sound up and so forth. And that really made a big difference because a lot of the reviews and we've had, I don't know, hundreds and hundreds of reviews. The primary focus is they like the quality of the speakers. They like the quality of the sound and so forth. So that has really paid off, but I haven't really done any marketing per se, to try to grow my base. I have a pretty loyal base of folks that listen all the time and they're spreading the word to others. And and that's just kind of growing organically, like we said. Thanks for sharing that. So I want to transition really quickly back to what it sounds like is your main focus now, which is senior living, right? Right. 
I'm still looking at apartment buildings, but in the process, when I started looking, it was getting to 2016, 2017, it was getting harder and harder to find the kind of deals that I had. And my criteria was always buy something a little below market. And as you know, because you guys are very active, finding below market properties is pretty rare. So as I was looking around and the senior living thing came in front of me, I said, gee, I can get amazing returns on this because it's very different. We're dealing with construction. And in fact, all we do is really get a construction loan and we buy the land and then we raise money to develop the land, right? And in that process, we get a construction loan and a five or 10 year loan, but we usually sell the property within three years. So we never really have to go into agency loans or anything of that nature. These construction loans are easier to get. They're still great rates. Then we can do interest only on them for the first two, three years. There's a lot of options there, but it's a lot easier and quicker, especially in light of COVID and all the things that have happened that have impacted the economy. It's relatively seamless. And we're building these facilities in 12 to 14 months. So we have offers on these things, especially from the healthcare REITs, sometimes within six months into construction. So it's a pretty good little formula here. Are those REITs proactively reaching out to you or is there someone on your team who's... Uh, no, the, the REITs, well, one of the guys on my team, he's built 23 of these things, but most of them in Michigan. So he wanted to broaden out. And then my other partner and I were able, because we were in other states and were able to sort of help him broaden out. But I think his experience, not only just constructing and designing them and all the elements that go into the actual development of the facility, but he also came up with the operation manual for operations of these facilities. So even during COVID, out of all of them that this guy has built and managed, there was not a single COVID case in all of these homes. A lot of it was because of how well this guy has designed the operational side. So what will happen is some of the REITs will buy them and they ask our third partner if he'll manage these for them and he does. So out of the 23, I think he manages 14 or 15 of them. How did you meet this person? My contact was not him initially, but my friend that I've known for about six years, he actually was a guest on my show <laughs> early on. And then he introduced me to this guy that he made contact with that had built these. And that's kind of how that connection came together. Then had you already been interested in senior living or was it after you met this guy that you were like, huh, I think this is something I want to do. No, I've been looking at senior living, I don't know, probably for the last four years or so. And I thought I might get into the residential aspect of it where you take a home in a community and you convert it into a senior living house and you can have maybe six or eight or 10, depends on the size and the, and the state you're in. And that really appealed to me because I knew guys that were buying single family homes and making 10000 a month after expenses, you just as cash flow with these homes. And that really sounded appealing to me too. And my wife actually happens to be a, a caregiver. I have a daughter that's a caregiver and a son that's a caregiver. So we're very into this area. And part of one of the reasons we came back from Haiti too, it kind of started this is that while we are on sabbatical, my wife's parents took ill. So we kind of stepped in to take care of them because we're only ones that really weren't nailed down to jobs and so forth because we were on sabbatical. And in that process, it was a really moving thing for us emotionally. 
And it was just a really great experience to be able to spend that time, my wife's parents, when they were moving into this need for assisted living. So yeah, a lot of things kind of birthed out of that, but there has been a strong interest for a while for me. I've you know Jean Gorino, but Jean does it's RAL, uh, Residential Assisted Living, and had him as a guest on my show a couple of times too. So I didn't think I would ever do ground-up construction. In fact, I've avoided ground-up construction because here, how long it takes and trying to keep things under budget. But this third partner of ours uh, really has mastered that. And he's always keeps it under budget. Just amazing. So that was one of the appeals of getting involved. All right, Bill, what is your best real estate investing advice ever? Well, I think the best thing I can say to anybody that's going to get into real estate investing is to really know what your why is. Because when all else fades away, it's going to be that why that's going to keep you motivated. And I honestly believe you need to take the time and putting a plan together, getting a mentor, doing the research and education and all of that. But the core of that, your mission statement has got to be that why. Why are you doing this in the first place? Why are you getting involved in real estate investing? All right, Bill, you ready for the best ever lightning round? You bet. All right, first a quick word from our sponsor. Here's the problem with virtual events. You don't get to connect with others in the way that you would for in-person events. So with this year's Best Ever Conference, it is virtual and we're fixing that problem. We are introducing many masterminds where you're going to get to know six to eight real estate investors who are accomplished and who will help you and you will help them grow each other's business. Go to BEC2021.com, sign up for the Best Ever Conference, and enter the code MYBEC10, and you'll get a 10% off on top of the lowest price, which is today, because the prices go up each week. BEC2021.com. Are you ready to close more deals and officially seal your financial freedom? The Dwellin Show with Ola Dantis discloses the most innovative real estate investing strategies to kickstart your quest to financial freedom. Go listen at com forward slash show. That's com forward slash show. Okay, what is the best ever book you've recently read? Best ever book recently, okay? I don't know if you know Michael McCallowitz is, but he was the author of Profit First and The Pumpkin Plan, a few others. And he wrote a book called Clockwork, which is a, a great book for people in business. It's sort of a simple approach to making business ultra-efficient, eliminate stress, and just get your time priorities right. If your business, I guess in this case businesses, were to collapse today, what would you do next? Well, I would rebuild. And the great thing about it is if you lose something that you've had that you've built up, you already know the process about building them up. Mm. And a lot of people say real estate, it's all about location, location, location. I believe it's about relationships, relationships, relationships. And if you have relationships, then you can go to those people and help rebuild what you had before. If you don't mind, can you tell us about a time that you lost money on a deal, how much money you lost, and then what lessons you learned? It's kind of a general thing, but it's one of the struggles I've had. I'm an out-of-state investor. I've always been an out-of-state investor, is dealing with property management firms. And property managers can be your best friend and your most important partner. But if you choose 
not so wisely, okay, you can end up losing a lot of money. And in that is things that happen is not only upcharges on things that they do for you and that way, but they can help bring in some bad tenants for you. And when you have to deal with bad tenants, the cost can be exponential. So that was, for me, one of the key things that I had to get a hold of early on is that you really, really need to screen your property managers and make sure that these are people that you can prove that they're good if you're going to hire them. We already answered the best ever way you like to give back with the nonprofit. Do you want to talk about that a little bit more? I think it's something a lot of real estate investors should see. First off, it's really easy to establish a 501c3. And it's a great tool to be able to do the kinds of things you've always dreamt of doing to help others. So I had my 501c3 for a long time and it has been a great tool and it's helped just hundreds of people and families in Haiti. We were rebuilding homes for people during the earthquake. We set up a school and a hospital and all these other things there. It's a great vehicle if you're ever thinking about getting serious about helping others. The other part is giving back. I love giving back. And granted, my audience is targeted 50 plus. So I love to be able to help people get started later in life. But I also work with a lot of younger folks too. So through bigger pockets and places like that, I try to make myself available. If somebody wants to meet, have coffee and just ask questions. And that's another way to get back as well. And then lastly, what's the best ever place to reach you? Best ever place is at the Old Dogs REI Network. And the website is the Old Dogs, just spelled D-A-W-G-S, REI, as in real estate investing network.com. And you can write to me if you'd like at bill at olddogsreinetwork.com, or you can go to the website and check out content. There's also a contact page there as well. All right, Bill, well, thanks for joining us today and giving us all of your advice on really all that you've done in, in your life. Really appreciate it. It's always fun to talk to another podcast host as well. So we talked about your, your background, how you actually started in real estate later, which is why you created that Old Dogs Network to help others start real estate later in their lives. We kind of talked about the breakdown of your portfolio and how you've been transitioning into senior living lately, in part because of the fact that you mentioned 10,000 baby boomers are hitting the age of 65 every single day. You focus specifically on ground up construction on luxury senior living facilities across the country. We talked about what your roles are in the GP. Seems like it's mostly investor relations because you know a lot of investors from your podcast. We talked about the podcast why you started it, how you just organically over time without asking people to really invest. I've had people come to you wanting to invest based off of listening to your podcast for a long time. And you gave us a few tips on how to grow a podcast. I really liked how you talked about focusing on quality and that a lot of your reviewers said they really liked the podcast because of the quality. And it's not just the quality of the guests and the content, but also the actual quality of the production. So you actually hired a producer who would help with the sound quality and make edits on the back end and things like that. And then you also attribute your podcast success to a lot of word of mouth referrals from listeners. Let me get into a little bit more specifics on your senior living investing. And my biggest takeaway there was you can really apply this to any new niche you want to go into is finding someone who's super experienced at what you want to do and then work with them, partner with them, have them be your mentor. So you had met someone is basically a friend of a friend who you had met through the podcast and he had a bunch of experience with senior living facilities had built over 20 of them you mentioned that he's not a single case of 
COVID at any of those. And so you are continuing to partner with him for these deals. And then lastly, we talked about your best ever advice, which is it's important to have a plan. It's important to get a mentor, to educate yourself. But at the end of the day, the core of all of that and the thing that's going to keep you motivated when you're kind of in a rut is to know what your why is, have your mission statement, and you have explained what yours was as well. So really appreciate it, Bill. I know the best of listeners are going to enjoy this conversation. I sure did. Best of listeners, as always, thank you for listening. Have a best ever day, and we'll talk to you tomorrow.